You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of Distilling Theology, that podcast that you listen to, that you are currently listening to. And if you're a longtime listener, thank you, because we just celebrated three years of DT two weeks ago, and uh, that's very, very exciting in our 100th episode. Um, And if you're brand new and you somehow are just finding this, uh, thank you and welcome and enjoy a savor the moment here. Uh, and speaking of savoring, not at all, but that's how segues go in podcasting sometimes. Uh, I am joined by my savory... Uh, nope. You know, I take it back. Justin has good taste. He's got savory taste in his uh, steaks. And uh, we both had steak tonight, I believe. So that's it's fresh on the mind. Um, savory things. Anyways, before I make this any worse, Justin, what's going on, buddy? How are you tonight? Man, the steaks were high on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no listen we promised dad jokes we need to deliver <laughs> we uh we did we did promise um hey man uh it's it's uh it's a thursday it is um cold and dark uh because we live in the northeast yeah. and uh winter is coming so uh other than that i'm 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 well pleased i am yeah, doing man. well my uh my life is good. <laughs> nice. All things considered, man. How That's about fair. you? Yeah, man, things are good. I was uh, I was telling the Patreons uh, when we were when we were chilling here a second ago that uh, life has been a little wild with uh, work mm-hmm. and other things and schedules, but it is slowly but surely starting to level out, and uh, you know that is good. I'm grateful for that, um, mm. and I'm glad that we get more time to uh, to stream DT. We're trying out some new things for Patreon, and if they work out, we'll probably start announcing them in coming episodes, um, which is pretty cool. And speaking of making announcements, uh, and also speaking of three years of DT and 100 episodes, guys, the giveaway is still running now through Monday. That is oh, yeah. Reformation Day. So make sure if you want your opportunity you know, to get in there and enter. And we'll, we'll remind you about it again in the show. But yeah, get over to distillingtheology.com slash giveaway. Do it. <laughs> Justin, what's in our glass tonight? Yes, I'm excited. Tonight is a special one for me. Um, it was a gift to me from my dear, sweet, handsome friend Blake here. Um, uh, this September, my wife and I celebrated our wedding. We had a reception and Blake decided to gift me a bottle here of the uh, Henry McKenna 10-year single barrel bottled in bond. And it is absolutely delicious. As you can see, there is none left in the bottle. Uh, so thank goodness that uh, Blake uh, decided to sample it first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wise decision. Um, so we have that in the bottle tonight. I'm excited. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about this uh, Henry McKenna, why you... Why did you choose this for me, Blake? Well, what, what? Uh, <laughs> my wife and I wanted to give your wife and you a gift. And I was like, you know what makes sense? 
bottle of whiskey, a good one. Um, and not one that's outlandish and crazy, though I will... There's a little fun fact about this whiskey that is, in fact, not a fun fact. It's a fun fact no, a in the way that the, the existence of open theists is a fun fact. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, but the whiskey, the whiskey is good. We affirm this whiskey. So Henry McKenna Tenure is distilled by the Heaven Hill Distillery, who, by the way, everyone talks about Buffalo Trace. Heaven Hill puts out some fantastic product, and uh, this is one of them. It is 100 proof, being that it is a bottled in bond whiskey. Now, the minimum aging for bonded whiskey is four years this bad boy is aged for 10 which is a pretty long time for a normal ish price range bourbon um and that is where the frustrating part comes in because this bottle used to be available for 30 dollars, and then a little thing called the san francisco world spirits competition happened uh in the year of our lord 2019 (laughs) and this little bottle won Best bourbon and best in show, and the price is more than doubled, and so hard-pressed are we to find this bottle for less than 65 or $70. Fortunately, I was able to find it a little bit more reasonably than that, but um, yeah, it, that is the frustrating thing to me about this whiskey, because at $30, there's basically nothing that can touch it, except no. the other formerly $30 whiskeys that are now heavily allocated and are easily over $100 a bottle, Old Weller Yikes. Antique and Weller 12. Well, our special reserve I don't love as much, but we'll sample those and taste them on another show. Tonight is all about the McKenna 10, the bottled in bond wonder. Now, Justin, obviously you guys enjoyed it, which I am so delighted to see. Um, I think it was less than a month ago that I brought it to you, basically, or a month ago. So, um, Well, we had some. We shared some at the wedding. We did. Uh, or at the reception, mm-hmm. and that was great. It was. And... Um, and so I, I came home and I was like, you got to try this. So uh, my wife had some as well um, and pretty much just had a couple of ounces every night for a couple of weeks till it was yeah. gone. Uh, it was delicious. It was great. You know, I kept, I had some other stuff on the shelf and I was like, nope, I'm going to keep drinking this because this is delicious. Yeah. Um, Feel that. So just like that, that's how it happens. Um, I'm trying not to do that with the Belvani 15 I have sitting on the shelf. Yeah, don't do that. Um you know, I'm I'm trying to savor it as much as I can, but you know, I'm, I don't know, maybe a third of the way through the bottle yeah. already. I'm proud of myself. I just finished that bottle of Talisker Distillers Edition that I received as a gift uh, in February, so that mm-hmm. lasted me like eight months. Very nice. happy about that. Um, yeah. Conversely, the bottle of Russell's Reserve Single Barrel that I picked up recently is requiring a tremendous amount of self control to not like <laughs> just. Just pour that every time that I want to have a pour, whether that's every other night, um, whatever. It's like, but but those like one or two ounces at a time over a couple of weeks, like it just, it vanishes. Or if you share it yep. with someone, it's over. Yep. Um, it's all gone. Which is making me think about uh, if I could only have like three or four bottles. Uh, well, well, let me ask you, if you could only have like three or four bottles, and I'll, and I'll say three or four. Um, what do you think you would pick? And let me give us a, a sound effect here because, you know, we're basically doing a game show. So you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Okay. So obviously, number one is going to be a Belveni. Um, if, if I had to choose out of the bottles that I've had, um, I haven't had their like extensive like 30 year or anything like that. I imagine it's probably brilliant. Um mm. 
The 12 is very good. The 14 is very good. The 15 is also tremendous. It would be a toss-up between the 14 and the 15. The Caribbean cask has just got that... It's just got kind of the exact flavor profile that I'm looking for every time. Um, so that would be up there. Uh, believe it or not, I would probably bring Diplomatica Exclusiva with me. Ooh, um, curveball. Reason being, it is it is it's very different. It's very delicious. I can always drink it and feel feel good about it. It's just a solid. Uh, it's just a solid beverage. Um, so yeah, so I'd probably bring that. Gosh, um, let me see here. I got I got to look at some of the ones that I've had. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I was thinking about that because I was like, man, there there were a couple things I finished over the last month or so, things that I've had yeah. on my shelf for years now, and and some things that are relatively recent. And I was like, you know, Russell's Reserve for the price, the single barrel has never let me down. So that's sure. one that I'm like as a bourbon staple. Um, it's not as it's not as intense and and rich as Booker's, but it's also not as like heavy and 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 like aggressive as Stag Junior. It's like perfectly poised between um, a very very robust whiskey, but also something that's very drinkable. And and sure. I, I was gonna say smooth. I'm not gonna do it. But I was tempted. Um, <laughs> obviously, for me, Talisker Ten is always gonna be on that list. And I think if I could only do one more, it would probably one that I, it'd probably be one that I know both my wife and I enjoy, and that would be probably the Glenmorangie, uh, the Nectar one, because that's mm. just like such a yeah. great spirit. Um, there's yeah. other there's other Highland whiskeys that I like better, but that one, if it was like I had to straddle that line, um, yeah. And it's also not crazy expensive either, relative to what that's it is. Fair. So that would that would kind of be my my trio. All right, so. Uh, Thinking about what I've had here, um, I really like obviously the, the Belveni, probably probably the 14 year, um, the Diplomatica. Uh, there's a good chance uh, that I would bring the Del the Delmore uh, cigar malt. Ooh. I really like that. It was unique. Yeah, it, it was. was um, it was just a really solid, d- delicious single malt. Yeah, um, boy. Probably, honestly, probably Lagavulin eight. That was also on my short list. Yep, because it, I like it better than the other ones. Yeah. I, I just do. Not that the other ones are bad. The Stiller's Edition was great. Oh, yeah. Um, 16's great. Uh, but 8 has just got... They just got it. They just got it. It's just perfect. Yeah. They got it down. We uh, affirm. Yeah. Um, gosh, it's 4. That's it. 5. Uh, <laughs> In excess, mm. yeah. If I if I had another one, it would probably be well. All right. If I was going to be indulgent, it'd be Octomore mm. because that's like a three hundred dollar bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, is it amazing! And if I'm going to go for a fifth one, then I'm going to add the Glenmoran or the sorry, the Glendronic Tawny Port finish that we had that I don't oh, think I'll yeah. ever be able there to find go. again. There you go. So there Those it is, guys. Five. That was peak. Really, I was just wasting time for the the years in the cask to be represented by minutes in the glass uh which eric debunked <laughs> i think he took a little too much joy in debunking that particular myth um and it was so fun to hang out with him again for uh episode Dude, 100 it was and you know what with the things we have coming in the future i'm excited oh yeah oh yeah I'm but excited. uh speaking of for excitement Eric's mustache yeah amen amen <laughs> Well, we're uh, we're 12 minutes into this episode, so let's get some tasting notes in here. And <laughs> yeah, then, we should uh, do that, and then get the get the ball. It's just fun. We're just hanging out. We're two dudes sipping it whiskey, is. talking about Jesus. You know, so this, uh, is, this is the way. 
Very nice. Very nice. Man, this is this is just like I I said this a couple weeks ago, but it's iconically bourbon. Like oh, this yeah. this is the platonic ideal of what bourbon should be. If you say like I like bourbon. Well, right, you have all the fundamentals, right? You yep. have vanilla, you have caramel, you have sort of a toffee nut smell, you have um classical theism, sola scriptura. <laughs> right. <laughs> sola fide. Yeah. Well, crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. Um you know, you got the oakiness, a little bit of spice. Yeah. It's it, you have all the fundamentals right in the right in the right in the nose. Yeah, that like vanilla oak, really strong, but I definitely get that molasses toffee note coming through there as well in a very yeah. sweet way. And I almost got a whiff of gingerbread, like gingerbread in the oven in the other room. Now okay, now, yeah, it's yeah, fall, yeah. so I'm thinking in those terms. But the, there's a little. I think There's that's, some gingerbread in the other room while I'm sniffing this. Yeah, uh, I think that's. Uh, I think that's a little bit where that spice is coming from, like that, like yeah. cinnamon and nutmeg, um, and a little bit of that ginger and sweet. But again, with the molasses sweetness, it it all kind of blends together, you know. To to borrow yeah. from Adonis with the the doctrine of appropriations that we just scratch the surface of. <laughs> but it was great, right? It's like, yeah, technically, yeah. this is all just one thing. But depending on like what I'm paying attention to, I can kind of discern one element more than the others in a particular mode, if you will. <laughs> it was very good. Yeah, man, I don't have too much else to add to that nose. That's just fantastic bourbon. And again, when this was $30 a bottle, I, I, I was telling you before, I wish I had bottle hoarded these. Yeah, I wish you did. Because <laughs> then I'd raid your place yeah. and take some. <laughs> uh, for ecclesiastical yeah. reasons, that was a joke. Now, um... <laughs> <laughs> all right let's taste this thing and uh, and get into the the meat of the show since we were both talking about steak earlier cheers so i get those like like apple pie in the fall Mm-hmm. brown sugar and cinnamon in the crust that like buttery vanilla um, flavor you get in the crust and then obviously the apples themselves and the cinnamon and the, and the molasses is like yeah it's got a very long finish it's very sweet it's got it's like you said it's got the apples it's got the honey mm. a little bit of the, the sort of the gingerbread spice caramel yeah. um, it's 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 a very satisfying like it fulfills what so what happens is a lot of times you might smell a whiskey and then you drink it and it does not, it does not taste the way you expect it to. And it's, it's not as satisfying. So this, like you, you're getting what you expect and it's yeah. delicious. It's tasty. I know those are synonyms, but <laughs> it's both of those things. <laughs> Should just go look up all of synonyms <laughs> the synonyms of, of delicious. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does have a little bit of spice, like, uh, and, yeah. and it's not like overwhelming. I mean, it's a hundred proof, right? So it's, it's what 50% ABV and it, yeah. it's not, but it's not overbearing. It's not weak. It's just right. It's just got right. the perfect balance. Perfectly balanced as all things should be. <laughs> Wait, it's not time for the yeah. sound cue. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. And I'm very sad that, uh, it's hard to find at a reasonable price because, Mm-hmm. it's just fantastic but you know i mean on the flip side good for the distillery for being able to um 
you know, up the prices and sure. the demand is there. But again, it was like yeah. at, at a $30 bottle, this was an absolute steal. Yeah, um, absolute killer. But now it's like, okay, for, for, for 60, 70 bucks. Now I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to look at that bottle of bookers or, <laughs> yeah, or Jack Daniels single barrel or even a little bit cheaper. Bar- bar- Russell's how Reserve. much is, how much is Elijah Craig barrel proof these days? Between sixty and seventy. I mean, I've seen it a hundred, but again, you're you're like now you're starting yeah. to get in those like barrel proof whiskeys that are really Cause, boutique. Cause that's also a really good. Oh yeah, solid choice. You know. <laughs> yeah, some night for Patreon, we should do like a high an overproof tasting mm. and and do like a couple of those because I find not to derail too hard here. Um, this last comment here, uh, like Elijah Craig barrel proof. Booker's are particularly balanced. Jack Daniels single barrel is also very, very balanced. Very, it, it's got the heat, but it's also relatively smooth. Stag Junior is just heat. aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh you know violently whiskey the way that you were violently created Baptist. Um, <laughs> apparently, apparently Marshall's pretty violently created Baptist too. I love it. Yeah, speaking of which, yeah, you guys got to get in the DT Facebook group so you see all of the spice. Uh, it's been dude, it's been so an interesting good. week. Sp- Speaking of the DT Facebook group, guys, we still have time. You still have time to join our biggest, most grandiose, most incredible, <laughs> almost as long-lasting as the finish on this bourbon Ooh. giveaway. Guys, it's amazing. It There's is. There's going to be three, basically three grand prize winners, let's be honest. It's true. It's amazing. Listen, everybody's going to get a copy of The Wonderful Works of God by Herman Bobbing, provided to us, of course, by Westminster Seminary Press. Everybody's going to get a copy of the Creeds, Confessions, and Catechisms given to us by Crossway Books. And, of course, everyone will get what we always talk about, the value of vision provided to us by Banner of Truth. Every single one of you who wins, all three of you, will get a copy of these. And, in addition, Blake, what else will each person take home? So, uh, there's three winners, and as Justin said, all three winners are going to get a copy of each of those books, which is amazing, and we're so grateful to Westminster, to Banner, and to Crossway for providing those books. Um, But also, grand prize, you're going to get a pair of our new Distilling Theology Canadian Glencairn glasses. Second prize, we'll get a pair of our classic Distilling Theology Glencairns. And third place, you'll get a pair of Distilling Theology Rocks glasses. So, basically, everyone wins. Like, there's no... (laughs) You get you get great glassware and you get some amazing resources. And listen, um, it's not a participation trophy, but but if it was, <laughs> now it's uh it's very very good. And you can go to distillingtheology.com/slash/giveaway by Monday. That is Monday the thirty first. We are less than a week away from the close of this giveaway at the uh, at the time of the release of this episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> recording it's a little bit further you know ahead of that for once. But uh, anyways. Um, for, for <laughs> well, actually, for for every time, let's be real. The Patreons be getting the that early release content, uh, for real, for real, like last week. But um, no, it's good. And uh, just a reminder on that, like we we wanted those resources because these are things we talk about all the time. We frequently quote sure. Bob Inc. Uh, and recommend people read Wonderful Works of God because it's a stellar systematic theology. We've yeah. been commending creeds, confessions, and catechisms basically since the inception of the show. And now that Crossway has this beautiful hardbound book, there's like no reason not to have this on your shelf. Um, and Valley Vision, we've been praying from since very early in the show. And uh, both of us have had tremendous impact in our prayer lives with these compilation of prayers from 
the Puritans. So go to distillingtheology.com slash giveaway by Monday, October 31st, uh, for your opportunity to win. So yeah, that's what's going on. Uh, and do it. We have, we, I'm not even going to do that. No, uh, <laughs> I was going to try to segue, but it's time to pray. Um, and I'm so excited as we continue tonight into Christology, we picked a prayer from Valley of Vision, um, <clears throat> titled Christ is All, and that is found on page 32 in the Bonded Leather edition, which is what is being given away. Now, Justin, if you will lead us in prayer this evening. Always. O lover to the uttermost, may I read the meltings of thy heart to me in the manger of thy birth, in the garden of thy agony, in the cross of thy suffering, in the tomb of thy resurrection, in the heaven of thy intercession. Bold in this thought I defy my adversary, tread down his temptations, resist his schemings, renounce the world, and valiant for truth. Deepen me in a sense of my holy relationship to thee, as spiritual bridegroom, as Jehovah's fellow, as sinner's friend. I think of thy glory and my vileness, thy majesty and my meanness, thy beauty and my deformity, thy purity and my filth, thy righteousness and my iniquity. Thou hast loved me everlastingly, unchangingly. May I love thee as I am loved. Thou hast given thyself for me. May I give myself to thee. Thou hast died for me. May I live to thee. In every moment of my time, in every movement of my mind, in every pulse of my heart, may I never dally with the word and its allurements, but walk by thy side, listen to thy voice, be clothed with thy graces, and adorned with thy righteousness. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Some of this, the, the contrast language reminds me of um, what we were reading about a couple weeks ago in Romans chapter 5. Um, this thou died for me, thou hast died for me, may I live to thee. Uh, thou hast given thyself for me, may I give myself to thee. Um, and that's something the Puritans are so, so mm-hmm. good at is painting these word pictures, is borrowing from the structure and the, the, the verbiage of scripture uh, in their sermons and in their prayers. Yeah. Um, so we, we love it. We highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, can't, can't recommend that enough. Um, yeah. So speaking of uh, Christ, <laughs> mm. Amen. we are continuing in Christology this episode. Uh, what is this? Part five? Yeah, it's Four a little five. So yes, it's part five because part one, we went over the, the Chalcedonian definition. And then part two, we had Tony Arsenal right. on to like talk about the application and the practical import of that. Um, and then parts three and four, we read articles one and two, respectively, of chapter eight from our confessions, which is of Christ, the mediator. I actually kind of want to refresh those because I want to jump into article sure. three tonight. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to read chapter eight, article one from the Westminster. And if you would pick up article two, um, that way we can just kind of real quick summarize where we've been. And then we'll go into article three of chapter eight of our confession. So I'll start yeah. uh, eight one in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Beautiful. It pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, his only begotten Son, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, the head and savior of his church, the heir of all things, and the judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed, and to be by him in time redeemed, 
called, justified, sanctified, glorified. Yes, amen. Uh, Picking up in uh, two, but in this case, in the London Baptist Confession, uh, the Son of God, the second person in the Holy Trinity, being very and eternal God, the brightness of the Father's glory, of one substance and equal with him who made the world, who upholdeth and governeth all things that he hath made, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature, with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit coming down upon her, and the power of the Most High overshadowing her, was so made of a woman of the tribe of Judah, and the seed of Abraham and David according to the Scriptures, so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion. Which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. Yeah, so I'll also check out our other episodes where we expand on those, because yeah. every time I read them, I could just start talking. Bro, so. well, well, I wanted to just, just like very, very high level here. We're about to go to Article mm-hmm. 3, but like, what do we have so far? So obviously, the, obviously, Article Chapter 8 of the Confession is following yeah. Chapters 1 through 7. So we have the Holy Scripture, we have God, we have God's decree, right? Mm-hmm. We have all these other layers building up, and now we're getting Christ the mediator. Yeah, but we, well, have, we have us. We, yeah, we we have his 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 God nature. Yeah, followed by his human nature. Yeah, laid out here in the very first two sections of chapter eight here, yeah. and so, uh, and I, and I love how it all comes together, saying that these are inseparable natures yeah. joined together, but without composition or confusion uh, or conversion. Right, he's fully God and fully man not partly God and partly man. And we see all of his titles, we see all of his duties laid out here yeah. um, very plainly, right? In, 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 in one, right, he's the mediator between God and man. There is no other mediator, as some might confuse <laughs> uh, Catholics. Uh, the prophet, the priest, uh, um, and king, right? He is our prophet, priest, and king, the greatest, right? How often do the scriptures point to him as the greater prophet, the greater priest, the greater king, mm-hmm. right? Come he's on. the... He's he's the greater lamb, I and mean, we could go through all of his titles that way. Um, but he's the head of the church, the savior of the church. He's he inherits all things; all things are his. Uh, he judges all things, um, and from all eternity, he was given a people, right from the Father, um, mm. who he then in time redeems, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies. Bro, so it's, many. It's things. beautiful. Yeah, it's like we've got <laughs> we've got the golden chain of salvation here. We've yep. got the threefold offices of Christ, his mediatorship, his Godhead, his manhood, the hypostatic union, a refresher on the Trinity, the Chalcedonian definition. The uh, Virgin Mary, the on. Virgin Birth. Yep. And <clears throat> yeah, there's so many good things just in this section. So we're not going to rehash that. I just wanted to, I just wanted to reread yeah. it because it's been, a, I think, at least a month or two since we have really been in here. So I wanted to ground us in where we've come. Go check out those episodes on Christology if you want to like refresh on the Chalcedonian definition and on the first two articles. But now we're going to pick up in Article 3. Um, I'm going to read from the Westminster, and if you want to highlight for me anywhere that there is that difference uh, in the London Baptist, you can bring those out after I read this. So, so this is uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 8 of Christ the Mediator, Article 3. The Lord Jesus, in his human nature, thus united to the divine, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure, 
having in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in whom it pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell, to the the end that, being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth, he might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of a mediator and surety, which office he took not unto himself, but was thereunto called by his Father, who put all power and judgment into his hand and gave him commandment to execute the same. There's a lot in those verses. We'll see what we can get to uh, in the next 30 minutes before this episode starts to wrap up. The only Ooh. the only difference between the two confessions here is that in uh, the first sentence, it's uh, the Lord Jesus and his human nature thus united to the divine in the person of the Son. That's all they've added. So, again, just another one of those points of utter yeah. agreement between the two of us in terms of theological perspective uh, yeah. but yeah where do we where do we even begin <laughs> I, well i think there's a couple things to observe here i actually like that yep. addition in, in the in the 1689 because it is once again emphasizing the hypostatic nature of that union it's not an essential yes. union right uh which we talked about briefly with james dolezal with simplicity that the son is not united that, that the human nature of christ is not united directly or or, or we can say <clears throat> unmediated to the divine nature as such, the human nature of Christ is united to the person or the hypostasis of the Son or the subsistence of the Son specifically. Yep. Hence, the Father and the Spirit are not incarnate. Though the Father and the Spirit, and, I, and you see that in here, the Father and the Spirit are intimately involved both in the incarnation mm-hmm. and in the anointing of Christ in his earthly ministry. Like All three persons are operating inseparably because it's the one God who works all things, right? Go back to our episode with Adonis Vidu. Yet, it is only the hypostasis, the subsistence, the person of the Son that is united to the human nature. And again, it's not as though we're like taking two abstract things and filling them together. We have the concrete subsistence of the Son uniting unto himself with the work of the Holy Spirit and the Father, um, this full rational human soul human body right the full humanity yeah well so i think that's i I think that's a helpful pointer that the the 1689 added in there one thing that's that's obvious here is it it really expounds on that union in a way that uh we see a lot of error coming from in other um quote-unquote christian circles so some circles, for example, will say that Jesus um, had to be born again, right? Uh, some very, some very popular churches that that whose music leaks into many churches today uh, uh, say this um, that that completely misses the nature of Christ, like extensively. Yeah. Um, and, and so when we when we look through any of these scriptures, right, Psalms, Acts, John, Colossians, Hebrews, um, Matthew, I mean, I'd like to go through some of these because wh- yeah. what they do is they explain very clearly um, <laughs> the, the unity between the divine and the, and the human nature. Um, well, I also think it's interesting, um, and I know Tony and Jesse, when they were doing their Christology series on Reformed Brotherhood, talked about this a little bit, um, this fact that Jesus, in the in his human nature, is anointed beyond measure by the Holy Spirit. 
Right. That is significant. That is very significant. Um, and I think it helps us to push against maybe those uh, Nestorian tendencies where people want to say, um, they either want to over-separate or Eutychianism where they try to they try to blend it together and say, well, Jesus is just doing this by virtue of being God. Right. And we need to be careful there because what the scripture is explicitly teaching us is that Jesus is anointed beyond measure with the Holy Spirit. And that does not mean, as some circles, and I think it's some of the ones you're talking about, would say, well, see, Jesus was anointed this way, and so we can have the same exact level of anointing of the Spirit. Um, right. But that, but Scripture itself tells us that that is not the case. Let me pull up this reference in John here. Um, John 3, 34 uh, says in the ESV, For he whom God has sent utters the word of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Right? Uh, before that, he who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. So we're speaking about Jesus specifically in this section, just in case you know anyone was confused on the, the verbiage there. <laughs> um, and I think it's really fascinating that we're seeing this. In Article 3, we're seeing this like fully triune work of incarnation and of the ministry of Christ, that yes, it is the Son who becomes incarnate. It is the Son who takes upon himself, right, united to this human nature. And yet, the Father and Spirit are involved every single step of the way um, in, in significant manners. Not just like, yeah, you go. Like the, it, it, the whole Trinity is hard at work here in the mediatorial work of the Son. Um, I don't know if you wanted to jump right into some of those verses out of the gate here. Yeah, um, I was just pulling some of them up here in Lagos. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll take this opportunity to mention this week's sponsor, which is Lagos. Now out with Lagos 10, and we need to get some more info from them for you fine folks. But if you want a discount and you want to start with the fundamentals package, um, you can get a discount by going to lagos.com slash theology. Get started at the base level, and then you can add books to your library. Or if you want to jump in at a higher level, you can do that and still get that discount if it's your first purchase of Lagos. But we use it literally every episode, and I know we don't even scratch the surface of what it is capable of. Um, we talk all the time about the indexing, about the vast and ever-growing digital library, about the ability to interconnect. But I mean, if you're a pastor or if you're a seminary student, um, the tools that Lagos has available for people that are doing this professionally or you know full-time vocation and not just part-time podcasters uh, is really tremendous, and we would <laughs> highly commend to you uh, their resources. So be sure to go to logos.com slash distilling theology. There's the plug for that. I dig it. Um, so just just jumping in here, I'm going to jump into Acts 10 here. Do it. Um, because what you touched on was uh, a bit of, um, really what you were ta- talking about is what Psalm 47 yep. or 45 uh, verse 7 says right that you have loved righteousness hated wickedness therefore god your god has anointed you with the uh, with the oil of joy above your companions and then we also see here in acts you know of jesus of nazareth how god anointed him with the holy spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil for god was with him mm. um and then in john 3 for he whom god sent speaks the words of god he does not give the spirit sparingly um, I think we see a bit here on the nature of Jesus' uh, work 
while he was here on the earth, the, the, the point of his ministry um, as a man, right? Uh, and he, he certainly is not sparing with, um, with what, well, with that anointing, right? He healed the yeah. sick. He uh, raised the dead. He, um, he taught with wisdom and authority that no one had ever heard, right? Uh, people would hear him speak and say, what authority is this? Yeah. <laughs> right. Who, who can speak with this authority? Um, but of course, of course that's the case. Right. And everybody knew who Jesus was at this point. And at least, you know, in acts, the audience here knows who Jesus is and how God has anointed him with the spirit and with power, which is exactly what you were just talking about. Right. Yeah. It's not insignificant that he was anointed with the Holy spirit and with power and in how he went about doing his business, which yeah. was different than how anybody had ever done anything yeah. ever at any point. Um, right. Right. Healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Well, and that reminds uh, me, you know, going into Hebrews one, which is not cited here, but what you were talking about there about Jesus authority and, and the confession speaks it right here, right? He, he has all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's that reference from Colossians, but in Hebrews mm-hmm. one, we get long ago at many times. And in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Um, you know, we focused a lot yeah. on the deity of Christ in Hebrews 1. But it's also significant here to see the prophetic work of Christ as the the, the, the ultimate prophet of the Lord, right? The, the, the one who speaks and brings the word of the Lord. Um, in the past, God spoke by these prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken by his son. And it is not merely that Christ speaks words, but it's also his life, his active and passive obedience. It is what he accomplishes that God has spoken to us. I mean, we talk about the gospel, and yep. I think the word gets diluted in, in discourse online, right? People say the gospel this, sure, the gospel sure. that, this is a gospel. Should that. But like what is happening in the gospel is if we look at the life of Christ— his his coming in the incarnation, his birth, his whole life of active obedience, perfect fulfillment of the law, his passion, his suffering, and his death, and then his resurrection and ascension and his return. Like the gospel's all there on display for us. God's love for sinful people is on perfect display in the life of Christ. And that is the combination, of course, of the son's willingness to come. We talk about the, the covenant of redemption. Um the pre, pre-temporal covenant of redemption between Father, Son, and Spirit. But it's the Father doing the sending, right? The Father um, being pleased to do this. The Son being pleased to come. And the Spirit being pleased to, to anoint the Son and to empower him in his mission. And then also that when the Son ascends, the, the Father and Son send the Spirit to the church, which yeah. is just wild. But we're not, we're not in a pneumatology right now. But it it just goes to show this is all very deeply interconnected, and well, uh, and that's right in the confession I, and right in the passages. I also want to point out Hebrews one is a great um, speaking piece when it comes to cessationism, which will be a different discussion. Oh but, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but facts. also, I want to jump to Hebrews seven, um, starting at verse twenty six. I'm going to go a little bit beyond what the confession has uh, as far as what's noted, but starting at verse twenty six, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. First of all, let's stop there, right? We have uh, we have a, a high priest, right? We have 
um, a high priest that's not only a priest, but he's also holy. He's innocent and unstained. So we have right there alone, we have the, the sinless nature of Christ. The fact that he kept the law, he was unstained. He was separated from sinners. So that means what? He was not a sinner. Um, he's exalted above the heavens, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, there's his divinity, right? And then it continues. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily for his own sins. And then for the, those of the people, why? Because he didn't sin. Oh. Um, uh, and since he did this once for all when he was offered, when he offered up himself, right? So he, he voluntarily condescended and offered himself up as the sacrifice. So there's that inseparable operations, right? The father sends the son, but the son voluntarily sends himself. Uh, he comes voluntarily. Yeah. Um for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, right? So it chooses weak men to do these things. Um, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son, capital S, who has been made perfect forever. So huge description of Christ there uh, and his his purpose as our high priest uh, in terms of his his holiness, his perfection, his sinlessness, and the fact that he is the only one who could make a propitiation for our sins so that we don't have to have sacrifices any longer, right? There's not going to be another sacrifice in the future. Yeah. Well, um, that's a whole episode in itself. If we want to talk about <laughs> yeah, some, dispensationalism, is oh, there's some shady stuff. <laughs> I, like, so, so there's a lot of things. This is going to sidetrack me. I'm sorry. There's a lot of things that like irritate me about various forms of dispensationalism. And I can, I can kind of like grit my teeth and deal with like the rapture and, and pre-trib pre-mill and um, even some of the ways that they divide up stuff that I'm like, eh, probably don't do that. But when they start talking about like, we need to rebuild the temple and reinstitute animal sacrifices. I'm like, boy, <laughs> right? get ready to fight. Yeah, let's, let's, Let's totally negate the fact that Christ was the final sacrifice the by just doing it again. Right. Well, and, and yeah. what is this? We get down here in the confession. Uh, I, I love this. He's, <laughs> right. He, he's anointed with the spirit above measure, having in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in whom it pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell. And that's obviously a direct reference to Colossians. To that end, that being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth, he might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of a mediator and surety. Yeah. Now that's a fun there's so this this section, right? <laughs> Chapter eight is Christ the mediator. Um but I love that thoroughly furnished to execute the office. And it is this whole I love this lineage of things, right? He's holy, harmless, full of grace and truth, undefiled that Christ is our perfect Passover lamb, the, the, the mm. lamb without blemish, without flaw. And surety, just going to read the definition of the English word that's translated here. It says, a person who takes responsibility for another's performance or an undertaking. For example, appearing in court or the payment of a debt. Right? I was actually just having this conversation with some friends recently. They they become landlords and they they had someone who had called into their, you know, inquiring and they said, Oh, you know, my my daughter or, who, or son or whoever is, you know, they're looking for their first apartment, but I will be their shorty. 
I will, you know, if they like if they don't make the payment, I will pay their rent. I will make the payment of their debt. Um I'm getting like chills thinking about that though because like we we understand that in our world. We understand, yeah. you know, when someone gets gets a line of credit, they really need um that person to be a surety, a guarantee that even if they cannot pay come the day, someone will pay on their behalf. And Christ is so furnished by the Father's ple- pleasure in this sending, by the Spirit's mm-hmm. anointing, and by the Son's incarnation, that Jesus is so furnished to be holy, harmless, undefiled, full of grace and truth, and furnished to execute the office of mediator, the one who is who is standing between the judge and the accused, but also the one who says in the courtroom, yeah, I, if the accused can't bear the judgment, I will take it. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, oh. I I also so f- following that, it jumps to Hebrews seven twenty two. But I want to go a little bit further Please. before that, starting at Hebrews eighteen, um, chapter seven, verse eighteen. Uh, For on one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. Uh, for the law made nothing perfect. Right. All the law does is point out the fact that we're not. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it is not without an oath, for there are those or for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. And then the the quoted verse here in the confession, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. Come on. Uh, uh, sidebar, better covenant, not the same covenant with listen, a better administration. Listen, <laughs> No, but Jesus is our guarantee, right? This, the Lord has sworn, right? So the Lord has made an oath to his people and he will not change his mind because, well, he's immutable. Come on. He's unchanging. And therefore, Jesus is our priest forever. Mm. Forever and always. There is not another priest and there is no one else who could who could fulfill that, right? Uh, he's the only one who's able to keep the law, right? He had no weakness or sin or sin in order that the law was broken. So, what better guarantee can we have that our uh, our payment has been paid, and that we can trust that uh, that debt is no longer owed by us? Yeah, man. It's so good. And it is all wrapped up in the person and work of Christ, which is mm-hmm. Christology is, I, I think the doctrine of God is one of the, the, the grandest mis- mysteries and um, eye-opening experiences reading scripture. But the doctrine of Christ, it's like that it brings into such focus because of the incarnation and because of the, the work of Christ, because of the uniqueness of what he did, of what the son did in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is fascinating too, right? Which office he took not unto himself, but which was called thereunto called by his father who put all power and judgment in his hands and gave him commandment to execute the same. Now I think I could see where the EFS crowd could get, you know, really excited here, but we have to remember, (laughs) you know, the rest of scripture, right? Uh, There was actually a controversy about this on Twitter very, very recently. And Tony, uh, kind of went hard with it as as he do, um, but rightfully so. Where people were quoting the the verse in Matthew about um, 
uh, no man knows the day or the hour, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, only the Father. And people were actually saying that that means that the eternal Son doesn't know the day or the hour, and the eternal Spirit doesn't know the day or the hour. Yikes. And the point that, that Tony was drawing out was like, look, guys, like, yeah, yes, on the surface grammar, that's exactly what's being said, but we have to we have to take this from a broader perspective and understand the hypostatic union. We have to understand like the rest of scripture. We can't just take this one verse and say, well, this means that the son doesn't know, that the son is not omniscient, or he's omniscient except for this, which I'm like, <laughs> what? So, so we have to be careful, even in reading our confessions, that we are mindful of, of like chapter two of the confession about the Holy Trinity still happened. Articles one and two of chapter eight about Christ still happened. So when we come to this line, we just have to be careful as we're reading that we understand it in light of everything that's come before. And I think the point that's happening here is that it is the Father who does the calling. We do see this in the Trinitarian missions and in the operations, right? We do see while the operations are inseparable and all what, what every person does, the others do, right? In the external, undivided operations of the Trinity. But internally, their processions are distinct, right? The, the Son is eternally generated from the Father and the Spirit eternally spirated from Father and Son. There are distinctions in procession. We go back to the episode Simply Trinity with Matthew Barrett, or we talked about this a bit with James Dolezal in our Simplicity episode in Classical Theism, that... All of these things are interconnected. And so the father sending or calling the son is not a hierarchical situation. It is merely the the playing out of the processions of the Trinity, ad intra, in how they are expressed ad extra in time, right? And it is the father calling him, but the son still willingly goes like, it, he, you know, Sam Renahan talked about this with the impassibility episode, right? And, and James Dolezal in classical theism, how scandalous and also Matthew Barrett <laughs> in Simply Trinity. How scandal this was particularly Barrett though. How scandalous that this would happen, right? There's there's I forget the passage he references. You'd have to go back and listen to that episode, but he says I I think it's in Hebrews where it talks about or maybe it's Revelation. It talks about the angels in heaven and how they're like they are blown away by the fact that this is what that the son condescends to do this. Like they they so if this is just what he does by virtue of being the son that it's like, you know, well the father is authority, the son is submission. Contra our favorite uh, person. Um, if if that is the case, then why are they surprised that the son is just doing what he by nature should do? Right. Like the fact is this scandalized heaven that the son would, would, would humiliate himself in this way for the sake of humanity. And it yeah. is the calling and the, and, the, and the sending of the father. It is the willing activity of the son and then the work of the Holy Spirit through it all. And someone in our uh, our Patreon chat commented here, it's so wonderful how in talking about any of the persons of God, we eventually have to speak about the other two because they're all working in perfect unity. And that's exactly what it is. That's our inseparable operations and divine simplicity married right there in biblical theology, in systematic theology, and spelled out in our confessions. Well, and we see it happening here according to the scriptures. Yes. Right? So... So, right, he's he's thereunto called by the Father, which we see here in Hebrews 5, right? Uh, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he, and he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, right? Melchizedek, right? Who who was by the priest, uh, by, by the way, he was the, um, uh, the priest and 
um, of Salem, right? And the king who blessed, right? And king of of Salem who blessed Abram um, with bread and with wine, <laughs> believe it or not, and 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 um, really was was almost uh, archetypal of Christ's priesthood. Yeah. Um, so th- this happens again according to the scriptures because. Lo and behold, the scriptures were fulfilled. <laughs> Who knew? Um, but yeah, I, I, lo- I love that comment, right? That we have to eventually talk about them as they work in perfect unity. And, and I think that's one of the biggest problems, like you said, with that whole EFS crowd is is they're creating this this distinction that it, it, it like inevitably separates and divides the unity of the Trinity. Yeah. Um, e- even without realizing it. So by creating those distinctions beyond what the scripture permits, you, you've created, right. You, you start running into the errors, like you said uh, earlier, right. This idea that somehow the spirit and the son don't eternally know <laughs> the plan, yeah. right. Oh, so I guess God isn't really omniscient. Um, or I guess, that the three beings aren't really, or the three the three persons aren't really um, one being, but really they're three beings. Right. Or, right, and then you start getting off into all these cults, and you start getting in, into all these other areas of, of problem. Um, yeah. it, c- cults seem to come out of two, kind of two areas of fault. Uh, number one is es- eschatology, right? Um, most cults... Uh, have some form of horrible eschatology. Um, but usually there's also uh, an issue with Christology as well, um, or some sort of Trinitarian problem. They, they mess with the Trinity in some way and you lead, you, you end up in a, in a cult, uh, because of that as well. Um, and, and it's not like it's, it's not like we don't have the resources, right. To, to understand the Trinity. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks to the, you know, the, Millions of Christians who have lived before us. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and also I want to while we're while we're chilling here, uh, and you're talking about Melchizedek, I just got excited. So mm. you know, watch out. Here comes Hebrews seven. So Hebrews seven, it's saying in verse seventeen, for it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Right now, where's that reference? That's Psalm one ten, the most quoted passage in the New Testament most quoted Old yeah, Testament boy. passage in the New Testament. I'm just going to read it's it's from verse 4, but I'm just going to read it. This is from the Lexham English Bible, which is the the cross or the sorry, Faith Life published Bible, which is um the people that make Lagos. It says a declaration of Yahweh to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Yahweh will send out your mighty scepter from Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will volunteer in the day of your power. In holy splendor, from the womb of the dawn, you will have the dew of your youth. Yahweh has sworn, and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the manner of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek's this cryptic figure that that Abraham shows up in. I was listening through R.C. Sproul's um, Foundations Systematic Theology series on my commutes, and it's so good. Like, if you haven't listened to it, just go do it, because it's fantastic. But he talks about this when he brings up Christology, that the author of Hebrews is stressing, well, how is Messiah supposed to be both a king from the line of David and Judah, 
in the tribe of Judah, but also be a priest because he's not from the tribe of Levi. So how can, how can this one be a priest? How can he be a mediator, right? How can he fulfill this role? And the author of Hebrews, by divine inspiration, points us back to Psalm 110, and it's been there the whole time. You're not a priest according to Levi. You're a priest according to the order of Melchizedek or the manner of Melchizedek. And if we read further on, and I won't read the whole thing here, you have this argument from the author of Hebrews saying, look, like Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. The lesser, and and Melchizedek blessed Abraham. The greater blesses the lesser, and the lesser pays tribute to the greater. Therefore, Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, this king of peace, this cryptic figure who has no other references in scripture. He just shows up in Genesis when we're talking about Abram. And there's this argument that that Levi is in the loins of his father, right? This, this presentation. And so therefore, the Levitical priesthood is in subjection to and is lesser than the priesthood of Melchizedek. Yep. And so now it's like, not only is Christ a priest, he's a greater priest than the Levitical priesthood. And it's yeah. just, oh man, it's so I remember good. The first time, I remember the first time I heard that explained. Bro. And I remember sitting there like pinching my, pinching my nose and being like, what? <laughs> but it was, it, but it makes beautiful sense. Um, and I just want to point out here, Psalm 110 is, is a very positive, uh, <laughs> successful, victorious, <laughs> eschatological psalm <laughs> bro <laughs> it's 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 pretty post-millennial i'm just saying. oh my gosh i think it's just you know i think it's just christian but you know yeah same thing oh smooth <laughs> well played i guess this is what it feels like to be an arminian except you know <laughs> except you know not being wrong but anyways um yeah i i just man there's so much in this passage because obviously the first two articles were really focusing on the offices of Christ, on the the hypostatic union, and now in Article 3, we're really getting into the meat of those offices in application, in action. Um, Mm -hmm. And even here, we can't escape the doctrine of the Trinity. We certainly can't escape the hypostatic union, and we can't escape this biblical theological, you know, to to last week with Dr. Beale, we can't escape the, the hermeneutical lens and this understanding of how the New Testament is utilizing the Old and bringing forward all of this richness. And I think it's just really, really captivating, which is why I'm, I'm loving this Christology series. And I'm excited that we're getting back into it and able to, to, to really keep going with it. Um, I don't know. You have any, any closing thoughts as we start to wrap up tonight? Um, just that number one, this, this series is probably going to go on forever. Um, <laughs> just cause there's, there's so much rich content to be had and we can never, we'll, we'll never be able to grasp mm. the magnitude uh, of of Christ. Yeah, we'll never be able to grasp. Uh, but what we can do is we can look at this with awe and with reverence and be recog- and, and recognize the God that we serve and the nature of what He's done for us in in great detail. You know, we 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 have. Uh, Consider this, God gave us his word so that we might understand and, and try to plumb the depths of, of his nature. And so we look at something like these, you know, these exegetical 
parts of um, of the confessions, right, to really help us try to grasp that. But then you start diving in. This is why it's so important to read the scriptures. This is why it's so important to study and to spend time in the Word daily, because if we don't, not only are we, um, I think, being disobedient, um, but we are also robbing ourselves of the joy in knowing who God is. We're robbing ourselves of this rich, uh, beautiful doctrine, um, right? When you love someone, what do you, you go to great lengths to get to know them, yeah. right? And, and if we truly love this God that we claim that we serve, mm. how could we ever be bored by any of this? Um, so yeah, so dive good. in, get, grab, grab a copy of the confessions, Amen. Um, Enter our giveaway so from you any can, persuasion, so you can get a what? copy of Creed's Confessions and Catechism. <laughs> yeah, enter our giveaway so you can get a copy of these confessions, so you can study them and yeah. and so and good. use them as as, uh, as as sort of a a study point to then dive deeply into the scriptures uh, to really get to know the history of Christ, uh, his his ministry, his deity, his humanity these these offices in which he serves um and 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 to understand this great salvation that he's provided yeah so, and and also to that like i love having you know we were probably both on reform i was on reform standards tonight just because of the web because it's really easy for me to quickly search things and pull things up but when i'm reading yeah. it's so nice to have the hard copy there and to turn through the pages and sit there with a book without the distraction of a screen, without all the other moving parts and just read the text. Like I really love having the, the creeds, confessions and catechisms in hardcover. Um, and maybe I'm just old fashioned like that, but I think it's really, really good. And I'm excited as we continue through Christology, you know, in the, in the coming weeks and months to keep going through this article of our confession and then, and then go even further into some other, um, some other good meat. Uh, there's a, so this is, this is dumb, but you know, Proverbs, 25 to it is the glory of god to conceal a thing but the honor of kings to surge out a matter um and i thought about that stupid christian twitter trend where guys call each other kings (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah, so you go king you you search that up but but in all seriousness though there is what you were saying right it's it's endless and it is our joy it is a gift that we have an opportunity to search these things out as as believers and the best thing I ever heard about the confessions came from my pastor um, in a in a Sunday school class where he said, "Look, these these are fantastic Bible study tools. Look, they are they are excellent, top notch, time tested Bible study resources." And honestly, that that's one of the best pitches I've ever heard for them. So, if you're if you're still on the fence, if you're new to the show, or if you've been on the show for a while, um, check it out, check it out, check out those confessions. Uh, and Justin, if they want to check more dt out if they want more of our absurd podcast craziness uh where whence can they go listen there are a bunch of places that you can join distilling theology um probably the most active is going to be our social media of course facebook.com slash distilling theology you can also search for distilling theology find our group and join it you will have the most interesting most sage stage conversations <laughs> that you'll find on the reformed internet. Um, true. But yeah, it's, it's, it's for real. Uh, join us there. Also join us on Instagram because we got some sweet pics. I do. Uh, if you want to join us on Twitter for the occasional heretic roast, 
uh, or funny joke, please join us there at Distilling Tea, the letter, not the horrible British drink. And um, <laughs> we just lost part of our audience there. It's over. Listen, listen, we're Americans over here. We are. Uh, also, um, you know, why don't you just why don't you just call Blake at this phone number? Uh, no, th- no I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> now, guys. Also, um, listen, Blake. If they want to be part of our inner sanctum, oh man! If they want to be part of the true, the true immediate family of distilling theology, where can they go? Well, Patreon.com/slash Distilling Theology. If you join us, starting at four ninety nine per month, you'll get access to early release episodes, and sometimes, like last week's with Greg Beal, they're very early. Um, unintentionally, but you're usually getting at least a week in advance, sometimes more. Four ninety nine dollars a month. A year. <laughs> uh, you know, it, sometimes it'd be like that. Uh, but whatever it be like, uh, $4.99 a month, you'll get that, as well as a discount at shopdistillingtheology.com. If you join us at $14.99 per month, you'll get that, plus a Distilling Theology mug after your first three months of support. And uh, you're going to get more extra content, and we're working to, to make that even better. We are. We had some good ideas. We today. have some very good ideas that, that we're excited <laughs> to, to develop and share uh, as they roll out. But there's more. But wait, if you join us at, uh, hold on, I need to pull up my notes to remember the exact numbers so I'm accurate. Uh, Twenty nine ninety nine per month instead of a mug. After three months, you will get one of our glorious uh, frosted Glencairn glasses. Patreon exclusive. These will never be made available for sale. Uh, because they're for our patrons only, and we're grateful for you guys. And if you join us at our exclusive tier of $49.99 per month, which a few brave souls have ventured to support us, and we are so grateful to you, after your first three months, we will send you a pair of those frosted Glencairn glasses. And again, you'll get that exclusive content. Also, at $29.99 and $49.99, you get a bigger discount at shopdistillingtheology.com. So, uh, lots to love there. And also, while I have this musical cue going, Go to distillingtheology.com slash giveaway and enter by Monday the 31st for your opportunity to win a copy of The Wonderful Works of God by Herman Bobbink, The Creeds, Confessions, and Catechisms, published by Crossway Books, and Banner of Truth, published by, or sorry, no, and Valley of Vision, published by Banner of Truth. It's been a long day, folks. Uh, And again, (laughs) three different winners. They're all going to get the books, and uh, someone's walking away with two DT Glens, someone else two DT Rocks glasses, and someone else two of our Canadian Glencairn glasses now justin if folks hear this and they want other podcasts if if once a week is not enough where can they go listen if you're sick and tired of hearing our voices but you still love reformed theology (laughs) and podcasting head on over to the society of reformed podcasters at reformpodcasts.com where there is a host of other reformed podcast content to tickle your ears, but not in the bad way. Not in the bad way. In the good way. With truth. <laughs> uh, so we have, <laughs> we have oh, over no. there, we have the five, we have, I'm going to list them off. Uh, it, it, I think we got them all. I think but so. We have the Five Points Church Planning Podcast, Assurance of Pardon, the Baptist Broadcast, the Bobcast, which I think is changing their name. I believe so. Right? I can Possibly. neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> also, Distilling Theology, Fox Den, Grace and Peace Radio, the Particular Baptist Podcast, which I listened to today, uh, Reform Brotherhood, Reform Standard, Restless and Small Town Theologian. Again, that's Reform Podcasts with an S. Dot mm. com. Uh, we went to Reform Podcast once. Dot com, and it was not a place that you want to go. I can assure you. So head on over there, fill your mind with truth, with fun, 
with podcast content that is aiming to glorify the Lord through edifying and sanctifying discussions. This is the yeah. way. We love it. It is indeed. It is. And you know what, guys? We're grateful. 102 episodes of Distilling Theology. Three years and change now. I, I still can't believe that people continue to tune in, but we are grateful. And if this is the, again, if this is the first episode you're listening to, God bless you. Welcome. <laughs> it's a wild ride. As you can see, there's a lot of intertextuality. There's a lot of interconnectedness. And speaking of that, I posted in the DT Facebook group um, a clip of uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson talking about the Bible. And again, mm-hmm. I, my point was not to, to do anything specific about Dr. Peterson, but to say, look, even a secular professor can recognize the heavenliness of the doctrine, that the coherence of the parts, the perfection of scripture in that, I think it's 65,000 cross-references. And this graph, which you've probably seen if you've been on the internet for the la- at some point in the last year, that shows like these arcs going over from Genesis to Revelation, showing all the interconnected references and allusions of verses, and then showing these lines running down of how many times that verse is referenced. And it is just mind-blowing, the perfection of it, right? 40 authors, 66 books, 2,000 years, multiple languages and continents, and it's all coherent, and it all points to Christ, and it all is to the glory of God. So we're super, super excited, guys. Thanks for sticking with us, and we'll see you next week on Distilling Theology. Um, But yeah, man. Blake. Yeah. Whatever you do. Whether you eat or drink. (laughs) Do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria. (laughs) 